And this guy took out his iPhone. By the time he got it out of his pocket and turned the camera on, I'm already behind three trees in a bush. I mean, being a cryptid is great. I've been hearing about these new things called drones. They're supposed to be small, quick, and quiet. And they have cameras that are always on. Too right. Well, I've heard some of them have night vision. And if they find you, they won't leave. Meow, meow, meow. I have heard they will steal your children and take them to the woods, where they make them do chores before eating them with horrible, sharp iron teeth. Is that right, Sasquatch? All right, all right. Everybody calm down. These are just stories. And Baba Yaga, I'm pretty sure you're just talking about yourself with that last one. Ah, sorry, Sasquatch. Yeah, don't worry about it. Well, not all of them are stories. I saw one. It <laughs> was just last week. I was hiding in an alley, waiting for a nice young lass to happen by. Suddenly, I became aware of a faint buzzing sound behind me. I whirled around... And there was the cursed thing, just floating there, staring right at me soul, its red power light blanking in the darkness. Sure, and I thought the chick was up, and I reacted on pure instinct. You what, mate? Did you leave? Meow, meow, meow. Oh, no. We jumped at the wretched thing, breathing fire and slashing claws. It fell to the ground in a melted steaming heap like a child's toy. You see, everybody, there's nothing to worry about. But what about those of us who can't jump or don't have claws or fire breath? (laughs) Shut up, Squonk. We'll be fine. They keep trying, we keep hiding. That's how it's always been, that's how it's always going to be. We're never caught. It's true, it's true. You cryptids have no fear. For we remain elusive all the year. A lot of myths and legends have been told here. From every nut and rambling crackpot die today. And since they're mad and their tales won't take hold here. We're never caught. Wind and rain and snow, we will stay hidden. A fleeting glimpse, we're just an afterthought. To have our picture taken is forbidden. We're never caught. Never caught. Never caught. You know, we all are quite bizarre. But we're never caught. Never caught. And for us, well, that's just par. <laughs> some humans do believe in our existence. They want some proof of concrete guarantee. But here's what they forgot. Where is slippery is snot. And surreptitiously surviving, we are never caught. <laughs> cool, blimey. You know, statistically, it's just a matter of time before we're all caught. Shut up! Shut you knock off that squawk talk! We're the best damn hiders in the whole world! Ain't nobody finding us! 
I'd go so far as to say we ain't never getting caught. Never caught. Never caught. Some people hunt us like we're jaws. But we're never caught. Never caught. We tiptoe on our paws. Hello, love. We sometimes show our face in blurry photos. Wink! A little glimpse of fun for you to see. But don't get too distraught. We're just in your blind spot. And surreptitiously surviving. We are never feel like a musical number is the terrible way to stay hidden. Shut up, squonk! That is correct. We are never sober. Or right. Drink. <laughs> hey, Hello. everybody. I'm David Floor. I am David Stecco. Welcome to Blurry Photos. You are most welcome. Welcome to our penultimate, uh, oh. hundredth, hundredth episode penultimate. Yeah, that's, that is it. Well done. Yeah. Really good vocab there. Thanks. In this, the winter of your content. <laughs> Coming right up on everybody's favorite holiday. We knew it was on your Christmas list, so we just shoved this episode right up your stocking. <laughs> <laughs> All in time for Xmas. Oh, that's right, everybody. Uh, uh, Saturnalia, Christmas, mm-hmm. the 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 holiday devoted to being devoted <laughs> to sex. I just, you you know what, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, just take a night and really think it through. Maybe like read something, like really be like, I'm gonna try a new technique that I think my boyfriend or girlfriend is really gonna be into. Mm. You know, like, let's roll the dice here, people. It's Christmas. There's no wrong answers. Okay, there's probably a ton of wrong answers. But guys, gals. Can't go wrong. Yeah. It, if nothing else, points for putting effort into pleasing the women and men that you love. Yeah. So the 21st. 21st of December. Longest night of the year. Make it year. count, people. It's a Sunday, right? So yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's the Lord's Day. It's hard for uh, for workings, but mm. you know, hopefully you, it's you take some vacation that, that hey, week. Oh, 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 here's the door. I've left it open just for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyways, you have reached blurry photos, yeah. and I would love to know. I don't want to belabor this point. I would love to know if anyone is attempting Saturnalia, Christmas, any of these things. Unfortunately, I will be home for Christmas by then which many people are i'm not saying this is mm-hmm. an easy holiday to pull off but i'm i'm unfortunately not going to partake because i will already be home for christmas and spending time with my family and and I, it's not it's not really in the cards no no that's too bad yeah but you know if you're out there and and home is is where you is yeah then do it upright yeah so. exactly if, if home is where your heart is then then home is where your heart is yeah <laughs> Ooh. Uh, welcome enough to Larry Photos. Yeah, yeah enough um, about that. Let's move on. You know what? Uh, if you're finding us for the first time, hi. Yeah, welcome. You're about to get launched into orbit because you are in the 99th episode of a really great podcast. That's right. And um, what we do, we take a, a, a subject um, that may be mysterious. It could be uh, 
a cryptid or a monster, something from the unexplained, something from the paranormal. Something you thought was explained, but turns out you were wrong. You're dead wrong. Uh, and we uh, we talk about it in depth uh, from the crazy aspects of it all the way down to the skeptical what the hell is actually going on aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And then we do puns at the end. <laughs> and all throughout, uh, we throw in a little little cheese whiz uh, that is our Some uh, silly humor. voices, <laughs> some dumb jokes. So uh, please don't be... Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> don't be uh, uh, ready ready for us to just um, you know talk like uh, like we're robots about something. No, we've been robots, and it was unfortunately I died. I died fighting. Flora had to tell me this. I died fighting right. a robot. OOC, bro. You're not supposed to know about that. <laughs> <laughs> OOC. <laughs> nice. All right. So, uh, what do we got for you to this? <laughs> I'm the one that's been drinking. <laughs> no doubt. What does to this mean? It means tonight. <laughs> what we got for you to this? To now. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about King Arthur. That's right. The oh, King Arthur. The King Arthur. Literally, the man, comma, the myth, comma, comma. the legend. It's the only person that really applies to, except for him and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Sure. Merlin. And, and Randy, the Macho Man Savage. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we have talked about Merlin before. It was a fun time. Yeah. Uh, I I would uh, advise you to go back and listen to that at your <laughs> leisure. But uh, not Merlin Olson, just Merlin. Well, Merlin T. Merlin. <laughs> you you bring. You know what? He was in a movie that I randomly saw because I was watching uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand, oh, yeah. and, and he was in there. I think. Uh, anyway, talking about King Arthur tonight. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to try and cram a lot of info oh, man. into your ears. Smoke and- some weed, everybody, because it's going to get <laughs> painful at times. And if you thought that uh, a lot was said about anything in general, you haven't looked up King Arthur information. <laughs> it's tough. And I'll tell you what, like, I know Flora has done a ton of research. She's got pages and pages of densely packed written notes. I did my work, too. Uh <laughs> I watched Jerry Bruckheimer's King Arthur. Of which I, I lent. Yeah, which I borrowed from Flora. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's not really research. Really? It was the director's extended cut. So, <laughs> hope you feel a little dumb now. Yeah, 110%. Yeah. There's <laughs> no more movie to be watched. I watched the extended director's cut. So, I pretty much know everything about King Arthur now. That's right. And that's why we're recording now. Yep. Uh, that's the Clive Owen version, yeah. by the way. I love Clive Owen. Clive Owen, Keira Knightley, uh, and, Stellan Skarsgård, and, and, and many others. Yeah, he's a Skarsgård. Oh, uh, Ray Stevenson. I love love him. He's the big dude with the axe and the ice. He was in Rome. and um, but Ray Stevenson is the guy who sings everyone is beautiful. Well, maybe. In, maybe in the Flash. Maybe I'm wrong. There's like late night infomercials for his late 70s yeah. comedy albums. I, I should stop while while I'm yeah. behind, but uh, that's it's a it's a fun movie. You know, I I didn't I didn't. Yeah. Uh, it was less less explosiony than I thought it would be. Yeah, but uh, we'll I think we'll talk about some of the you know the modern stuff towards the end because we got to get to who King Arthur oh, was. Man. We got to get to what his history was. What are some of the facts behind the fiction? What are the fictions made out of facts? And we're going to talk about the influences he's had that's led directly to that Clive Owen version. Yeah. 
So let's, let's, first of all, let's just jump into our machines and go back to the fifth and or sixth century. Oh my goodness. We're going to start real broad. We're going to narrow it down as much as we can, but side of a barn, son, that's how broad (laughs) I'm not a good hype man. (laughs) When, when we start broad, it's, it's completely broad and I'll tell you why, because there's so much uh, about him. You know what? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to save that. I'm actually going to save that morsel. I'm going to I'm going to tease you. you. This is going to be a four-hour podcast, everybody. Right. Strap so, in. So, so Arthur, I, I, I see the look in his eye. He's <laughs> there's nothing I'm, anyone can do to stop this. I I was not able to uh, to get <laughs> through all of the notes that I wanted to take for this. So good. You know what? We could <laughs> it could easily be a two-parter. We're gonna we're gonna try and un, un and part it. Summarize it as yep. best. Uh, but we could talk about this for episodes. So Arthur, King of the Britons, the once and future king, it's a figure of British legend who ruled a mostly unified Britain in the 5th and 6th century CE in a brief shining moment of a golden age during the Dark Ages. With his magical sword Excalibur and a host of loyal and skilled knights and Merlin. The as, wizard. As a Merlin as advisor. the wizard. <laughs> He's like their wacky neighbor. <laughs> he does. He b- busts in. Arthur. <laughs> no, it's better if he's like Doc Brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're sending you once to the future. <laughs> Artie. <laughs> Artie. <laughs> Excalibur. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, Arthur defended Britain from invaders and infighting living with his beautiful queen Guinevere at the idyllic court of Camelot. He epitomized the virtues of justice, goodness, equality, and chivalry, symbolized by his famous round table and the quests he and his knights completed. Arthur's reign did not last long, however, doomed by Guinevere's affair with his champion, Lancelot and also by plotting from his half-sister Morgan Le Fay and nephew Mordred. Mortally wounded defending... Mordred about him later. (laughs) I contribute. (laughs) Mortally wounded defending his kingdom from Mordred's army, Arthur was whisked away to the mythical Isle of Avalon, where he sleeps while his wounds heal, to one day return as Britain's savior... When its people need him most. Yeah. Uh, so, so World War II, not it. Unless, oh my gosh, what if Churchill was What's Arthur? Arthur? Yeah. What a twist, Shyamalan. So that is your uh, hugely broad overview. That's a very popular uh, uh, view of him. And, yep. and I'll get into that later. And it's important to note that Arthur can be discussed in many ways. Namely, as one of three different characters. The mythic legend the literary character and the historical figure. And we'll discuss each of them as uh, each of them has blended throughout the centuries. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because I mean, even the historical figure first, you got to clear the, did he exist hurdle? Oh man. Yeah. Pretty tall hurdle. Yeah. Uh, And we're going to start with the most well-known aspects from the myth and the literature. Uh, This, this is just, Going through in a little bit more detail some of the stuff that um, you you might hear about these days or some of the 
uh, stuff you you've when you're at the seen bus stop or just the, trying to buy some groceries and somebody won't stop you know, talking about yeah. uh, notable kings of the dark ages saxon invasions of of britain mm-hmm. swords that uh heal wounds and ladies in lakes <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about his origins that's a good place to start yeah. i think arthur's conception is a fascinating tale in itself an erotic tale of interest with the Roman withdrawal in Britain, the land fell into war with itself and invading armies of Picts, Irish, and Saxons. Picts as in P-I-C-T-S. Yeah, yeah. The Picts. Little naked fighters. Uh, British nobles took up the fight to gain power and repel the invaders. And among them was Aurelius Ambrosius and his brother Uther. After a successful campaign, Ambrosius was crowned High King of Britain, or Pendragon. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they called him. Uh, but he was soon poisoned, leaving Uther to be Pendragon. Uh-oh. Womp womp. So either way, you're going to get one of the brothers, one of the Uther. <laughs> Jeez. You're, you're on it. You're on it. <laughs> me. I'm the worst. As the story goes, Uther became enamored with Duke Gorlois of Cornwall's wife, Igraine. Dude, what is with all the wife's napping? Yeah, well, uh, seeing this, the Duke took Igraine and holed up in their fortress called Tintagel. Uther gathered an army and pursued them because his pants were on fire. <laughs> Burning loins. Yeah. Fuck off, Helena Troy. We got Igraine in Britain. Yep. And then uh, when he got there, he couldn't break Tintagel's defenses. Now, Tintagel is this, it's almost like a little um, peninsular uh, type of uh, place. It's Uh just sticking out. There's only one way to get to uh, the main part of it where the, the fortress was, and that was this very narrow gap, and there's water on all sides big cliffs. It's a great fortress. Yeah. And uh, with advice from Merlin, the wizard and, and prophetic wild men. Hey, hey everybody. I'm Merlin. <laughs> Who wants a balloon? <laughs> what is this balloon thou speakest of? Oh, don't worry about it, Arthur. I'm gonna go chase a duck. Merlin, my most trusted advisor. Hey! Uh, Uther uh, attacked a different castle of the dukes and having to defend it the duke left Tintagel and Uther had Merlin change him into a likeness of the duke so he could just walk into the fortress and take Igraine unharmed polyjuice potion time That's that's what it sounds like and he took her he took her. He knew her biblically. Woo. Uh, meanwhile, the Duke slain in the battle at the other castle. Each. And then Uther took Igraine as his wife. Took her again. <laughs> she, she done took. She got she, took. She been took. Uh, she bore a son, Arthur. And Merlin took the boy away for safekeeping. Hey, sorry about it. <laughs> Merlin, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Mer- Merlin had made uh, a deal with Uther that he would change him into looking like the Duke of Cornwall if he could have his his son. 
So Uther agreed because his pants were on fire. <laughs> I don't know why. Ygrain must have must have been yeah. banging, yo. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So uh Uther had no choice but to give Arthur to Merlin. I think I technically, I mean, I don't know if, if Apple Bottom jeans even existed then, but pretty much everybody had the boots with the fur. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, she she had the whole court looking at her. So. Yeah, that's shorty getting low. Yeah, shorty she hit the flow. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you would think the huge amount of information we have to get through would mean we'd go through it faster, but no. no, no. Uther was poisoned not long after that. No. Another it, it, interesting fact. Everybody Uther, getting poisoned. Uther was poisoned. I've been poisoned. So uh, that that led to more civil war, because, like it does. Yep, you know that that there's no king. Yeah, happened twice. Power vacuum. Everybody starts fighting. Britain on Britain. Hot Britain on Britain action. Arthur was taken to a knight named Sir Ector, who had a son named Kay, and was raised by Ector and his wife. And Ector, by all accounts, was a very noble. Uh, and good man, not necessarily noble as in rich, I don't think, but I think he was a knight. Yeah. He was all right, but knights weren't like poor. No. It took a lot of money to field a knight. But he was very virtuous. He taught Arthur to live well and be well and do well. Taught him yoga. A little yoga in there, some Pilates. Showed him how to make a really good kale salad. Uh, So, you know, in about 15 years' time, Still no king, no no high king of Britain. Everybody's fighting. Merlin uh, contrives this plan to get the king, to b- basically. And, and like we said, Merlin's prophetic. He can see the future. It's, it's It was said that Merlin aged backwards, so that that caused him to already know what was going to happen in Benjamin the future. Benjamin Button style? Sort of, I oh, guess. Okay. Uh, so that's how he got his prophetic power, but he already knew that Arthur was destined for great things. He knew that the trick that he set up would lead to Arthur being crowned king. And the trick that he set up uh, was to place a sword in a stone and anvil in ah, Londonton. Which at the time was so new, it wasn't even jolly. No, not old. Not old, not jolly. It was like uh, disgruntled new Londonton. Yeah. Yep. Um, Londonville. Uh, I guess that would be like Londonshire upon Abbey or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the names changed a lot. So he, it was, it was Christmas time. Tis the season. Yeah. A, well, that's why, that's why everyone has an Arthur ornament on their tree. And it was decided that whoso pulleth out the sword from this stone and anvil is the rightful and trueborn high king of the Britons. So high. Too right. And they, they held a bunch of games. It was, uh, you know, fun time. Christmas Christmas time in Londonton. Pull that sword, son. Pull it pull it out. Get yourself a king. Mm-hmm. So everybody tried. Of course, the, the people who thought themselves to be, you know, prim and proper and, and the best of the best uh, shoved everybody aside and tried first. Dicks. And uh, they were shown to be the dicks they are. They, they failed. In fact, no one could pull... The sword from the anvil in the stone. That was a problem. So during this, uh, there were there were there was jousting. There were duels. You know, probably was, funnel cakes. Yeah, I'm sure there were 
knockover yield Deep. milk bottles with with yawn softball. <laughs> <laughs> D- deep fried turnips <laughs> um <laughs> so everybody's having a good time hast and- thou tried the deep fried <laughs> sheep's wool methinks they shall attempt to deep fry all <laughs> not shall shall escape the deep fryer having said such i too shall try the sheep's wool <laughs> Try thine hand at dart toss. D a r t t e t o s s e. Back then, though, like there there was no archery booths or knife throwing. That was just like you just did that anyway. <laughs> yeah, everybody could do that. Yeah. So <laughs> it was it was the stand here and do nothing booth. Yeah, starve for ten minutes. <laughs> it's a a good time to point out that uh, just about every year, Flor and I go to the uh, Renaissance Fair. And every year we um, we duel over medieval weaponry. We um, we test our might with axe throwing, knife throwing, and archery. Mm-hmm. Um, and Flora always kicks my ass. I think I won axe throwing this well, year. Well, I didn't even try axe throwing this so year. So I won because I intimidated yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that was it. But uh, yeah. there's there's not a good way to do the archery though. No, um, it's too subjective. But Flora is an unbeaten streak of whooping my ass at knife throwing. I could throw a knife. Not very well, but enough to beat your ass. <laughs> so <laughs> so everybody's having games. There's there's a duel. Now, Kay, being the son of Sir Ector, yeah. uh, allowed to participate in these games, uh, is up up to duel. Waiting to, to, to do his dueling. He's swinging like four swords at the same time or like a sword of the big weight attached to the right. end. Yeah, you know. it's, yeah. Not a real sword, cause yeah. it cause it's weighted and, and yeah. it's just for practice. But uh oh, they forgot his sword. I think Whoa. Arthur's the one that forgot. Arthur's squiring K <sighs> forgot his sword. I don't know if there's a worse mistake a squire can make. Right. That that's uh the first thing they tell you on squire school day one. Don't forget the the sword, dude. Yep. He forgot it. So he is scrambling around trying to find a replacement sword. He can't steal one from anybody. Nope. Everybody's everybody has their swords on lockdown. Everybody. Uh so he stumbles into the uh courtyard of the church nearby. And what does he see? But lo and behold, there's a sword yeah, just, right there. Just sitting there, no one's even touching it. Nope. And uh no what nobody's even around and he thinks perfect crime, mate. <laughs> runs over to it, pulls it out, runs back to Kay. Says, Kay, got you a sword, bruh. <laughs> Somebody just had this laying around. You're in business, brother. Yeah. And Kay, <laughs> Kay and Exerector see the sword and, and pretty much shit themselves uh, because they realize what, what sword it was. And they say, hey, where the f*** did you get this? Yeah. Arthur tells them, it's just in the, the church courtyard. I pulled it out of the stone. No big deal. And uh, apparently, did, uh, Arthur had no idea about the whole <laughs> pull this out, be king. So they stop the games. They make him go back to the stone, put the sword back in, and pull it out again in front of everybody. And of course, everybody, you know, is like, what the fuck? And a lot of people, especially the older, douchier knights and and people who thought they had the right to rule Britain, got real mad, made him put the sword back in, and then went up to it and tried to pull it out again. Right, like he loosened it, so now right. What did what dicks? And they couldn't. Oh, 
they it's magic. Couldn't do it. And so Arthur goes back up, pulls it out yet again. Oh, and Merlin cool. Merlin and the Archbishop is there and they're both like, you know what? We've seen enough. New king! Yeah. But not- funnel cakes for all! <laughs> Free tickets! Fry your finest turnips! <laughs> not everybody was so happy what? that they had found their king. There were six rebellious kings. I thought you were going to say Republicans. There were six rebellious kings. <laughs> Uh, who defied his right to be uh, a king at that the, point. Oh, they didn't trust the rock and, and with the sword in it? They, <laughs> and I, I say kings because everybody was a king of their own territory back then. It was yeah. like warlord stuff. Everybody had their own little... Fiefdom. Yeah, their, their hill, their sad little hill, and they were the sad little king of it. I don't know. Some of those hills were pretty boss, dude. Well, Tintagel. And they went to war against against young Mr. Arthur. <laughs> Call him king. He didn't go through <laughs> yeah. sword and stone school for <laughs> to be right. called yeah, Mr. He didn't go to stone pulling school for nothing. Uh, so these six rebellious kings raised armies and fought against him. Arthur defeated them all. <laughs> but then they regrouped with more rebels. Again, Arthur defeated them all. Oh, two X. And uh, all said and done, there was about 12 huge battles that, that he fought in. Won them all in the final battle, the Battle of Mons Badonicus, or Mount Baden. He w- it was said he single-handedly killed 960 men. I don't think I could single-handedly do anything 960 times. <laughs> not in, not in a one, sing- one campaign. Nope. This solidified his right. He was all headshot. Headshot. No scope. Headshot. Yeah. Kill streak, <laughs> and uh, he began uh, healing the war torn land. Oh, because I heard he died then. Yeah, wrong. Oh, because I mean, I, I just I just stopped writing notes at that point. I was like, oh, he died. Well, just because you stop writing notes doesn't mean he's dead. No, no, no. It's <laughs> a pretty powerful notebook I've got here. Arthur went to the sword and the stone. He grasped the handle and the end. He died. <laughs> Must have. <laughs> Uh, not long after this, he meets Guinevere, Ooh. daughter of King Leodegrance. <laughs> oh, you stopped. You stopped. Okay. And uh, they marry. Yep. Yeehaw. Her milkshake brought all the knights to the yard, and that's right. It's better than yours. <laughs> Arthur's was... <laughs> By divine right, it's better than yours. <laughs> I could teach you, but you haven't the coinage to go to stone school. She could teach you, but you'd have to swear fealty. <laughs> uh, Leodegrance, her, her father, gifts Arthur a round table as dowry. Ooh. A round table. Ever heard of it? There are conflicting accounts, moving on, of how Arthur obtained Excalibur. Really? His sword. In some, it is the sword in the stone. Yep. In others, that sword is broken in a duel with a fella named Pelinor. Uh, Merlin then took Arthur to a magical lake where lived a water spirit named Vivienne, the Lady of the Lake, who held aloft Excalibur. Her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite. Listen, strange women line of clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah there we swords. go. 
I mean, no basis. What, how far are we? We're like, uh, no, that's pretty well, good. We, we did, like we did well. Forty minutes in before that <laughs> finally reared its head. <laughs> Supreme executive power and derives from a mandate from the masses, dude. Not, not for from some a farcical aquatic ceremony. Nope, that's it. That's as much as we're allowed to do. We just hit maximum tighter. Oh, for- you, you can't hit maximum of that. Excalibur was likened to a sun blade. Shing! Forged on the Isle of Avalon, shining blindingly when drawn, able to cut through iron. Its scabbard kept wounds from bleeding. George Sukula sound. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is. I'm just saying. <laughs> shoe fancy. It's a laser sword that fell from heaven. It embedded itself in a rock. He pulled it out. Now he's got a laser sword. It's probably some sort of bound plasma in a magnetic matrix, and he can cut through anything with it. I mean, there's a, there's a couple. Of, uh, Lady of the Lake, gray alien. <laughs> Water breathing alien. Yep, exactly. But this, but the, but this sword is different from the sword in the stone, so it couldn't have felt fallen down embedded in a rock. Dude, this also, is also. All... How does it heal him? How does it keep stuff from bleeding? Oh, really? Uh, a scalpel cuts and it heals you. What? Yeah, it does. It saves your life. Scalpel. See how it cuts. <laughs> Listen, we're dealing with how people wrote these things down. I would rather you had said a a, a little gray alien jumped out and, and sewed him up. What if it was just set Scalpel? to stun? Mm-hmm. It's a but, phaser sword. No, it, it no, it, it keeps it, his wounds from, from at bleeding. At least we can all agree that there was no crossbar to it. Because <laughs> there's one thing I know about laser swords is that can do a lot with them until you put a crossbar on it, and then the entire world loses its damned mind. Well, that is true. That <laughs> that statement is true. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, that's that's Excalibur, pretty cool. Let's talk about the knights a little bit. I got a George Sukolo sound. In you the, really did in the King Arthur episode. You, you totally did. You <laughs> pretty impressive. Which actually, uh, if if anyone out there is big uh, Stargate SG One fans. There's a whole episode uh, about Arthur and Merlin and that they were actually like super evolved alien people with lots of information. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Moving on. Uh, talk about the knights for a little bit. Would you Would you like me to um, name the knights? Thirteen. Thirteen knights. Yep. Okay. Each more delicate than the last. Mm-hmm. That's true. Which is also the number of a coven, same number as the apostles. Well, see, I heard saying. there were like 24 that could fit at the table. But he he employed a ton more knights in his yeah. But they didn't have court. table privileges. But they didn't have table privileges. The table mm-hmm. was reserved for the best of the best. Yep, there's thirteen of them. Okay, and they were Sir Arthur, who, yeah, Sir Lancelot, Sir Gawain, Sir Geraint, Sir Gareth, Sir Gaheris, Sir Bedivere, Sir Galahad, Sir Kay. Hmm. Uh, Sir Bors de Gons, Sir Lamorak, Sir Tristan, and Sir Percival. Oh, a few of the, the bigger names there. Bedivere, one of Arthur's earliest supporters and one of his most loyal. Gawain, Arthur's nephew, uh, also a, a great knight, does his job well. Uh, and whose job in the movie is to be the reaction go-to guy. Yeah. You never see him do anything, but it's just like, are we laughing? And it's a shot of, yeah. <laughs> are we sad? 
I'm very upset right now. It's he is <laughs> his true. sole purpose in the movie is like the emotional barometer for the all of the nights. In in the Clive Owen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gawain also has a very cool story, uh, which we don't have time to tell, but <laughs> moving on. But <laughs> Oh, but if you knew but that's it. That's it. Oh, if you knew it. <laughs> go uh when you get a chance, go look up the story of Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh very fun uh, story that, that Gawain has to face this uh some people call him an undead knight but that's just because Gawain cuts his head off and uh the knight picks it back up puts it back on and is like see you next year reptilian <laughs> but um it's a it's a cool cool little story Gawain uh versus the green knight and Lancelot a french knight or at least from france Lancelot du Lac uh finest warrior in the land who also falls in love with Guinevere. Problems. Mm-hmm. Is Guinevere a hoe for show? <laughs> I done told y'all. She had milkshake. Mm-hmm. You know she's into that Lance. A lot. Pants Lance. <laughs> she gonna deep pants Lance. <laughs> Put him in a trance. And hast my lady thou seen mine pants Lance? <laughs> Behold! Nay! (laughs) (laughs) The worst. Uh, Galahad was the son of Lancelot. He was also the most chivalrous and the purest of the knights. Which I bet is so irritating if you have to share a castle with him. He's like, the guy's like, no, 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 you go first. No, 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 I insist. You go first. And then when you do, he goes, (sighs) real irritating. You know what's worse? He doesn't even know he's doing it. He yeah, doesn't even know he's no. doing it. That's the worst. He thinks he's doing it right. Of course, the the knights, their whole dealio was uh, they they sat around and waited for quests to pop up so they could go on. They're like uh, RPGing the whole yeah. the whole time. Yep, just, just waiting for um, a dragon to slay or a damsel to save, and then a they big ride off. Yellow exclamation point to appear on the horizon. <laughs> Real quick, let's touch on the quest for the Grail. That sounds boring. All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> it's not boring. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. You you might want to hear more about it. I don't know. Uh, you ever heard of the Grail? You ever heard of this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing sound. The grail, the cup that Christ used at the Last Supper, Mm -hmm. the cup that Joseph of Arimathea caught the blood of Christ in Mm -hmm. as he hung on the cross, the most holy Christian artifact ever, maybe, except for the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know, man. It's a horse race. It really just depends on which movie you liked. (laughs) Uh, And... This uh, a, a vision of the grail appeared at the round table one night, and the knights vowed to find it. It was a perilous task, to say the least. Uh, a lot of knights, a lot of knights tried, a lot of knights failed. Oh, some with uh, um, you know they say very it's, bad consequences. They say it's the last place you look. Well, yeah, they check the garage. No, no. probably because they didn't have one. Eon stables. Only the bravest and most pure would find it. Uh, Lancelot actually saw it, 
but um, owing to some uh, extramarital affairs that he was involved oh, in, man, couldn't get it. Dude, keep it in your pants a lot is what you need to do. Couldn't couldn't do it, Brosif. Oh. I mean, uh, wars were fought over girls back then. That's true. That the his problem was that he didn't lance a little. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Galahad is actually the one his son Lancelot's son is actually the one that finds it and is allowed to partake of it and then enter into heaven eventually wow way to go Galahad did it and there's there's only only the penitent shall pass well there's there's a part that it took him to the to the Middle East I think with a couple other guys maybe Bors was one of them and uh, maybe Percival I'm not sure but um, I don't know they they get to the Middle East he then goes into heaven. That's <laughs> kind of what they, they talked about. But I guess it goes to uh, Petra. Because yeah. Because that's where uh, Indiana Jones found it. So. That's right. And it was down there, and the, he's you know he's still down there guarding it, and he's mm-hmm. an old man, and them pesky Germans. Mm-hmm. Arthur's downfall, we just uh, mentioned, after Lancelot and Guinevere got it on. Mm, all night long. What a betrayal. Arthur... Chases Lancelot to France, uh, and and this is this is the it put Arthur in a tough spot. Arthur was he knew something was up, yeah, because you know, you know, you know, he caught Bay tripping. Still, Still love her, though. Still love her, but she ho, she ho. So, <laughs> he was torn between um, defending her, which. A lot of people got real tired of of her and Lancelot's shit. Yeah. So they they tried to call him out, try to tell Arthur. He said, "No way, man. This she's better than that. He's better than that. This isn't happening." So he denied it. Uh, Lancelot Typical had to dude. had to fight whoever accused him, and of course he was the best there was. So he never lost. So everybody had to retract their. Uh, oh, so lame. Yeah. So it's like that's like the Church of Scientology. <laughs> It's it's eventually found out because it went on for a while. Mm-hmm. And Arthur is torn between his love for Guinevere and his love for justice. Sweet, delicious justice. And uh, since he didn't want the whole kingdom falling into complete disarray from Chaos. Uh, lack of, of leadership, he has Guinevere burnt at the stake. So he, he's got her tied to the stake, got the, the piles of wood propped up around her why why is everything so melodramatic with these people <laughs> and and he's watching as you know they're they're bringing the torches to her and then lancelot swoops in snatches her up kills a bunch of arthur's knights and then flees to france Allons-y! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> arthur uh follows him he he pursues him uh gets guinevere back and so begins an unending enmity between England and France. <laughs> well, Arthur Arthur gets Guinevere back, but Guinevere's so, you know, like she can't even show her face, so She's... she becomes a nun. Arthur Arthur chases Lancelot back to his castle in France. Uh meanwhile, Arthur's nephew, Mordred, who's who's been trolling around the the Camelot for for a while. Mm-hmm. Arthur's like, "You know what? You need to watch uh watch the house while I'm gone. Just, you know, Feed the cats. Uh, make sure they have water and everything. Just water the plants here and there. Take the mail in. Yeah, bring bring in the mail. 
Don't even try to do the fern is very particular. I already took care of it. Don't mess with the fern. And, um, and he says, you watch while I'm gone. Well, Mordred starts ordering shit on pay-per-view. <laughs> Mordred takes the throne for himself. Oh, changes the password on the Wi-Fi. And, um, <laughs> which is the same thing. <laughs> That's, and Mordred is, is the son of, uh, Morgan Le Fay. Now, Morgan Le Fay, as we mentioned, is Arthur's half sister. She was, uh, the daughter of, the Duke of Cornwall and Igraine mm-hmm. way back in the day before uh, Uther and Igraine got it on. And a, cl- a classic foil. Yeah. She's, uh, by all accounts, a witch. She's very practiced in the dark arts and very m- manipulative and plotting. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what history says every time a woman's ill-behaved. Ooh. She made history. She, was, she wasn't about that glass ceiling, even though they didn't really have a lot of glass then. <laughs> Uh, and her son, uh, Mordred, she conspires to put him on the throne and Arthur turns around, forgets about Lancelot, comes back to take his throne back. And in the ensuing madness, uh, Morgan Le Fay snatches Excalibur from Arthur Yoink! and Arthur, uh, manages to get it back, but she has already thrown the scabbard into a lake never to be seen again. So that nice scabbard that, uh, was magical and everything no longer in his possession. He and Mordred meet at the Battle of Camlon and mortally wound each other. Oh, double stabs. And uh, before being put on a boat to Avalon, Arthur gives his crown to his cousin Constantine of Cornwall, uh, who then becomes the new king of Britain. And then he, he Arthur floats away in, into the mists. The mists of what? Avalon. Oh. Also, uh, he tells Bedivere, who's who's there with him as as he lay dying, to take Excalibur and throw it back in the lake for the Lady of the Lake. And Bedivere takes the sword and he gets to the lake and he's like, you know what? This is a damn good sword. Yeah, I'm just I'm going to stash it. I'm going to tell Arthur that I uh, threw it away, but I'm not going to because you can't lose a, a weapon this nice. And he goes back and he says, "All right, job's done. Job's done." <laughs> Yes, my lord. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and Arthur's like, well, when you threw it in the lake, what happened? And Bedivere's like, bah, nothing. And Arthur's like, you lying little shit. Go and throw the sword in the lake like I asked. So Bedivere goes back and he's just about to throw it in the lake. And he's There's like, a Palladian living in the lake. Two things. She's going to catch the sword mid-throw. Two, she's going to teach you physics while you f- Yeah. Bedivere didn't believe him. Well, uh, once again, he stashes the sword, comes back to Arthur. Arthur says, what happened when you threw it in the lake? Bedivere's like, uh, it, uh, it, it went it, under it, the oh, water. Yep. Like crazy. And Arthur's like, you, you son of a bitch. You stupid you twice shit. liar. You little twat. Go and throw my sword in the lake. Like I asked, I'm dying. It's a request. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> what part of this aren't you getting? <laughs> Sir so, dipshit. <laughs> Dig the shit out of your ears, We're going to change your name to Sir Badavere. <laughs> nice. So Bedivere goes back, takes the sword, and is like, fine, ass. He throws it in the lake. The, an arm shoots up, grabs the sword, and takes it under the under the waves. And Bedivere's like shit in his pants because he's like, "Wow, he was right. Where's where's my physics lesson?" <laughs> and, uh, he goes back to Arthur, and Arthur's like, "Now what? What? 
nothing happened? Did you just uh, <laughs> did you just did you just throw it in there? And Dip did, it in the kiddie pool. Did you just go down there and and just scuba dive for it. And Bedvere's like, no, and so yeah. everything was cool. So that's oh, it turns man. out Jason Voorhees' mom lives in the lake, and now she's got a sword. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are very po- the very popular yeah um, stories. So, so popular, you probably heard about them in a mall. <laughs> you, you yeah, that's true. Outside of Abercrombie and Fitch. What are you talking about? It's a popular place in the mall. It's where popular ideas are I exchanged. See. I see. Guess uh, guess you're not popular. Who was it? Not that, a surf? I had to have that explained to you. Did, did not a surf sing sing about that? I don't know. Uh, let's go through some history and facts. Yeah. Hard facts are as follows. Hard history. Uh, the first written account of Arthur is by the Welsh cleric. Ninius, who probably got picked on a lot, a permanent <laughs> widgie, and it was, uh, and he was discussing the, the as Flora was to saying, the twelve battles in which uh, Arthur fought, mm. and that was in the Historia Britonum. Yep, in the year eight thirty. There is a timeline that people have have kind of pieced together that uh, goes through some interesting stuff, including um, the men of note who wrote about Arthur. Uh, but going all the way back to 175 CE, you get a fellow by the name of Lucius Sartorius Castus, who commanded Sarmatian cavalry against uh, Picts and Saxons in Britain. Uh, in 401, a fellow by the name of Stilicho withdraws troops from Britain. Stilicho or Stilicho withdraws troops from Britain. I think it's Stecco. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Roman badass. Always withdrawing. I'm always withdrawing. 430, the year 430, Ambrosius Aurelianus uh, leads British forces against the Saxons. And this is right uh, when he's crowned Pendragon before poisoning. 485 was the Battle of Mount Baden. Oh, yeah. This is the one when he dies. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Puns, uh, listener mail, stumble upon. 1136, uh, this one guy by the name of Jeffrey of Monmouth. Forsooth, what is all of this then? I writes the Historium Regum Britanniae, History of the Kings of Britain. Very uh, popular work. And, and at this time, it was it was very popular to, to, to write chronicles, to, to try to, as accurately as you could, write the the goings on i mean this is this is the beginning of of the, the seeds of a of literate culture you know right. some people this opportunity to start writing things down and the the difficulty that they have with this is that what happens when these different histories these different chronicles are uh sorry what happens when they conflict and in some cases uh or or what when they agree do they agree because they both independently found something that happened or was the author like, well, this other book says that this happened and it's a pretty good book and I trust yeah. it. So I'm going to include it. There's a, there's a lot of those questions uh, of um, how much are, are these things truly independent works? How much, you know, did, did one infect the other? Right. You know, so it's, it's a hard thing to, to, to really suss out. Yeah. And as we go through here, you'll see why, because there's not just one or two, <laughs> And also the literate people of the day were the nobles, the aristocracy. Yep. And this was, you know, bigger entertainment for them. Uh, it's not like you could go down to your local ye old library and pick out uh, 
the historian. Besides, those books were like 70 pounds anyway. In 1150, Jeffrey writes The Life of Merlin. In 1155, Norman poet Wace writes Roman de Brut. In 1170 to 1191, French poet Chrétien de Troyes writes five Arthurian romances. Popular, uh, popular stuff there. Arthur in Chains. Um, Arthur Unleashed. Everything's coming up. Arthur. Four Weddings and an Arthur. <laughs> Oceans Arthur. <laughs> and Saving Private Arthur. Yeah. Mr. Arthur goes to Washington. <laughs> um, in 1190, the English... Shakespeare and Arthur. <laughs> People are like, it will never catch on. <laughs> in 1190, the English priest Laomon, who put together the poem. Oh, no, no, Brute. no, no. That's one of them there, uh, Pokemon's there. Ooh. Laomon, he's, uh, he's a turtle, but he's got a tank on his back, and he uh, probably it's shoots. Too sexual. Uh, shoots uh, red and white balls. It's uh, too uh, sexual. They're trying to race Team Rockets. They, these kids are growing up too fast. I'm telling you, it's the Pokemons. Lay, lay them on. See, you, it says mon at the end. They all say that, except for Peekaboo. <laughs> he writes the poem Brute, and that's based heavily on, on Wace, Roman de Brute. Gee, wonder why. Uh, 1215 to 1235. And uh, some unknown French authors write the Vulgate Cycle, and this is uh, big on Lancelot and the Holy Grail. Um, there are a couple of them that are that are written, and then the early 1200s, you get uh, you start getting a bunch of works uh, based on figures from Arthur's court, like Lancelot and Percival and uh, those guys, and they're written by such dudes as Eschenbach, Strasbourg, Zatzikoven, and um, the like. There are others, <laughs> and many more, and many more, and Benny Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 1470. This is when you get the old gold standard. Sir Thomas Mallory's Le Mort d'Arthur. Yep. Um, that's and the death of Arthur. That is, um, that's for, kind of the for culmination. Those of, for those of you who don't sprechenzi the Francais. I'll leave out what happened, uh, after that. That, that'll end the timeline because I feel like from then on, it's just, uh, influence and adaptation. Yeah. Everyone's, I mean, it's, it's like the Lone Ranger. It's, it's, he's a character and he just gets thrown into whatever anybody wants him to do. Yeah. Arthur goes to the moon. Arthur's adventures under the sea. Arthur, Arthur stops a train robbery. Yeah. Uh, Celtic and Welsh folklore was oral. It's important to know, and it's possible that if Arthur existed at all, he might have been around well before being written about. Many historians think that the figure of Arthur may have been based on a Celtic or Irish sun god. In fact, Arthur has many ties to the other world, capital O, uh, including, you know, some of the weapons that he carried. Oh. His, his actual size, a lot of people theorize that he may have been a giant. Nice. Which is, is interesting. And um, the quests that he went on, a lot of stories uh, seemingly like more akin to fairy tales than, uh, than you know, true accounts of oh, stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. And, I mean, depending on which story you hear, I mean, some of them are, are far more Merlin-esque than others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most written history is commonly assumed to be largely fictional, including Jeffrey of Monmouth. Yep. And I think we talked about that in the Merlin episode. He pulled from oral tradition and folklore, but 
made up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Sort of a giant liar. Yeah. Each each story built on its predecessors, adding details that were pertinent to the time period and their audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, some historians think there were kernels of truth in them, though. British historian Geoffrey Ash proposed that Arthur could have been a warlord named Riothamus, with uh, Arthur being his actual name and Riothamus being a title. And this Riothamus character fought Saxons in mainland Europe and was possibly exiled to Britain after a betrayal happened with one of one of the guys he was close with. And eventually he disappeared near Avalon in Burgundy. Oh, apparently. So that's a, that, then that's a theory that's been put out there by uh, uh, Mr. Ash. And then there's always the, the old Roman general theory uh, going back to Lucius Artorius yeah. Cassius. That was the, uh, the great historic or uh, uh, historian J. Bruckheimer. Right. Yeah. That has it's been put forward that uh, this Sarmatian knight that that led mm-hmm. uh, battles against Saxons and barbarians could have been the Arthur of legend. I mean, Artorius is in there. Yeah, that's you know they pointed that, and that's a very interesting idea. And and that's exactly what the the Clive Owen movie is based on. Of course, there's an argument for a Welsh Arthur a Northern England Arthur, a Southwestern England Arthur. Everyone wants to claim him. And many people try and tie bloodlines to him as well. Right. I mean, and that's, it's one of those, like everyone is related to uh, the Russian czars. Everyone's related. You know, the only Mm -hmm. person you're actually probably related to is Genghis Khan. Right. Yeah. That's the only one you have a real shot at. In 1190, an excavation at Glastonbury Abbey was funded by Richard I and conducted by monks. It was said they found a coffin with the bones of a large man and smaller bones with a lock of golden hair. Also found was a cross with the inscription, Here lies the famous King Arthur in the Isle of Avalon. And it has been largely discounted because the Abbey needed them dollar bills, y'all. Yeah, they made it a tourist attraction. Yep. The and Abbey we're had, right back to funnel cake, people. <laughs> yep. The Abbey had burned just a few years prior. It was uh, uh, perfect. Um, everybody wants wants to get on this boat of nationalistic uh, pride. Oh, King Arthur. Yeah, we need to find him. Uh, oh, we just happen to have him right here. Pay five, yeah. five pence and you can see him. Give Arthur no geese. <laughs> uh, historians have tried to find Camelot with no success. Uh, introduced by Chrétien de Troyes in his third romance, Le Chevalier de Charette, or just simply called Lancelot. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not a fancy fop. Uh, kind of fancy. It has come to symbolize the permanent seat of government and chivalric splendor Camelot has. And that I, I think that was interesting. That that was never a part of the early Arthur legends. It was yeah. introduced uh, by Chrétien. And Sir Thomas Mallory identified it with the city of Winchester and... A round table was constructed there in the 13th century. Antiquarian John Leland said in 1542 that Camelot was located at Cadbury Castle in Somerset. 
couple. Was that castle full of chocolate? It was, it was made entirely of chocolate. <laughs> oh, yeah. The inside was so rich. That's where I'd stay. Oh, man. I, I almost threw up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A couple Romano-British towns were named Camelodunum, but they weren't necessarily in an area under British control at the time. So people discount that as, as uh, the actual Camelot. And there's not a lot of um, archaeological evidence that says Cadbury or Winchester were the place that, that Arthur had his court. Yeah. I mean, what if, what if it's, you know, it's like, oh, Camelot's inside all of us. But, but then there was a whole bunch of people riding around freezing to death because they didn't actually have a roof over their head. <laughs> they were all, yeah. they were all delirious with fever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a golden age they were talking about. <laughs> maybe it was a colden age. Yeah, nice. It was just uh, misheard, misheard. Uh, very early British sources cite Arthur as Arthur the Soldier, and in the Historia Britonium, he is mentioned fighting on the side of the British kings, and not actually a king himself, but he did lead the battles. So it, it that's well, that's he worked a his way up from his humble roots. Could be, yeah. That's that's a theory that uh, that just says he was a soldier, just a simple soldier. Now. In, in the Roman army, skill was rewarded more so than the nobility, actually. Yep. I, I read that. So, you know, that, that could tie back into the uh, uh, Sarmatian knight uh, theory. But uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is there's so much out there that people have tried to find and just there's, there's not enough evidence when they, when they dig for bones, when they dig for uh, castles, graves, whatever, whatever you look for, everything comes up just as much as it doesn't come up. Yeah. And I, I feel like, I mean, personal opinion, I think that there is a real basis, but I think that the, the legend and the mythology and the stories are so blown out of proportion that I think it's virtually impossible to ever trace them back to a person. I'm sure they are. I mean, oh, yeah. so many stories and mythologies have a, a weird little kernel of truth oh, at sure. the very beginning, but, and, but this one in particular has been just used and co-opted in, in so many different ways that like, I mean, you're never going to find Arthur, right? King, soldier, wizard, spawn, uh, reptilian, whatever he was. Yeah. You're, you're right. And, as you went, th- as the timeline progresses, things get added in in there. Like I said, uh, Camelot wasn't until Cratian's time, and and the romance, the the courtly love that you get wasn't until you get that Vulgate cycle, right? Um, and in Cratian's uh, writing as well, you know, Lancelot with the love affair with with Guinevere, uh, that was added much later, and. Most of the the early stuff about Arthur, when you're talking about Geoffrey of Monmouth and uh, uh, and those those guys, Wace, Arthur's more like a warlord. Yeah, and he I, doesn't have you know his court, which I, I think militates toward towards that 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 kernel of truth. You know, like there is a you can kind of see the cone of, of yeah. it. Like he wasn't as big a deal here, and he's a bigger deal here, and right, and chivalry just becomes big with uh with Cratian but because fun fact Cratian was funded by an, a noble woman of the time who wanted you know a story of of love and intrigue and and he that this was the audience that he was writing for bored rich chicks the, love it. the worst you also get the Christianization of stuff in there yep a lot of a lot of things became more and more Christian 
as Christianity took hold more and more. And that's why you get the grail. That's why uh, King Arthur becomes just a huge figure for God, for mm-hmm. the um, the advancement of, of Christianity and in, uh, in the ideals, the virtuousness, all that stuff ties in. Chivalry comes right into there. Yep. So uh, in the end, uh, Arthur is just, you know, it, it's a great iconic figure. Yeah. But it is also this great amalgamation of, of so many cultures and ideas and ideals. Mm-hmm. And it's it's inspired, I don't know, you, it, it, everything. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like when you have someone who, who has achieved anything, you know, and then they become this literary character. It's just like the, all that uh, Ronald Reagan erotic fan fiction that I keep trying to get you to read that I write. I mean, you won't read it, but... Right, you can keep trying. But. Yeah, but, but I mean, I'm going to write so much of it that there'll come a time in the future when people talk about Ronald Reagan, the sexual tyrannosaur, and they won't even know that he was the president. They'll just, only my stories will remain. Yeah. My powerful, erotic fan fiction stories. Uh, a waste of the future will we'll <laughs> write his book, Will. <laughs> nice. There's a ton of stuff that, that uh, has come out uh, about King Arthur. He's a gold mine. You know, everything is themed after him. There's a ton of movies. Have you seen X? You've seen Excalibur. Oh, I mean, not since I was a kid. Oh, I watched it in this. I, I watched uh, quite a few movies, actually, well, while we were researching this. That really? was one I of watched them. an extended director's cut, so I win. Check, you're right. Checkmate. You're right. Checkmate. But I, it's been said before, and I, I, I think I agree that Excalibur, the 80s movie, the one with uh, Patrick Stewart makes an appearance in there. That is, um, I, I think, the best uh, rendition so far. Of course, you get Sword in the Stone from Disney uh, in there, which is uh, just a, a whole mess of silly. And um, the the Clive Owen, King Arthur, there's games all over the place based on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just popular. Oh. It's popular culture. Well, yeah. And um, there's a new uh, series called Camelot, which I, I just started watching. It's got uh, Eva Green in it because she's in everything these days. Wow, she's in the other Showtime series, isn't she? Yeah, Penny Dreadful. Wow, I like she her. Just, I like how she looks in Penny Dreadful. She looks like still really hot, but also real weird. Yeah, which yeah. is man, that's that's me. That's what I like, hot and weird. <laughs> she's got a five head. Well, and she's I'm not uh, about it. she's Morgan Morgan Le Fay in this one. Perfect. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So um, that is us cramming our uh, King Arthur into uh, into this uh, misty Avalonius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shining shining. For a brief moment, nutshell. So how about we uh, pull these puns from the stone? Oh, do it. Uh, I'm going first. Okay. So back in the uh, the fifth century, it was communication was very difficult. You know, someone had to ride out, and it you know there was highwaymen. It was dangerous. It was dark ages. It was rough. Um, but one man was extraordinarily good at communicating with people, uh, and he would write letters far and wide, and always knew what was happening, and always responded promptly. And his name was Arthur, which is how he got his moniker, uh, Arthur Pen Palin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. I saw this place the other day. It was pretty cool. It was, uh, it's a jewelry store uh, that sells a lot of gold, sells a lot of tiaras and crowns. Uh-huh. Uh, but unfortunately, it... it um, Went out of business. What? Yeah, but uh, a lot of people think it, it may come back. And it was called the Once in Future Bling. 
<laughs> I like that one. That's pretty good. I do. I do like that one a lot. It'll come back when when you need that that gold watch. You know, there's a legend in Britain of uh, it was like an inn. You know, at a crossroads, people would go through there, and there's a woman who was pretty famous around there, and a gentleman would often vie for her attention. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about this is that not only was she like a, you know very busy serving wench in this inn. But um, she was uh, she was large. Oh, really? Yeah, she was she was robust. She was Rubenesque. I see. And finally, you know, uh, a scribe passed through and kind of fell for her, hmm. and you know, was able to keep her attention for you know a couple of weeks before she got bored and moved on. And and the scribe didn't get angry. He was just glad for the time he had. But he wrote a chronicling of this time. Yeah, yeah, and it was. Uh, he wrote of the knights with round Mabel. <laughs> Pretty hot stuff. Oh, by the way, her name was Mabel. <laughs> yeah. I was going to put it at the beginning. I thought you'd sniff it out too much. So I had to. <laughs> Ruben-esque. <laughs> I've got, uh, I got one more. It's a gym. Uh, and you notice how sometimes you, you go to the gym, you, you work out so much, you sweat a lot. Uh, sometimes you, you'll, you'll scrape uh, a finger or something, you, oh, yeah. you know, you, or you get a cut or, or something. Yep. It's, um, it's, it's dangerous. You know, you should wipe everything down and everything. Well, this is a gym where you, you'll sweat, uh-huh. but you'll never bleed. Really? Yeah. What's it called? It's called Flex Caliber. Jesus. <laughs> put those guns Shing. away. Put them away. Put them away. Holster <laughs> them. <laughs> Holster them because if you're busting out guns like that, you're gonna scare the very skittish and and delicately frail listener. Yeah, that was a segue. We got a lot. We got a lot. Oh yeah, um, we do. We have to get to it. But surge, uh, storm surge. We'll, we'll, we're going to get you a supplemental. Yeah, you and your get... stories. Hey, if you guys got a, a nice scary Yule time story to send in, uh, send it to us. Make sure yeah. it's um, you know PG thirteen like like we do. So we're we're getting to a, a couple here for you now, but going to have some more and your stories coming oh, up. Sexy stories. Soon. This is erotic fiction, right? I don't. I don't care. PG thirteen erotic <laughs> <laughs> with terror in his heart. Daniel tried at the bra clasp over and over, pinching her skin and pulling her hair. She occasionally, helpfully said, "Do you need help?" But Daniel wouldn't say yes. Spooky. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, it's time for you guys to be better than we are, which is not hard. Yeah. First up. Jeremy. Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. Jeremy. Broken. Oh, but he's sick of that. Just because your name's Jeremy does not mean you're a suicidal l- lunatic elementary school kid. But it couldn't hurt, right? <laughs> you nailed it. What? You nailed that song. <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. Uh, we got us a pern. Oh. Uh, these elementary subatomic particles are somewhat awkward. Uh, they start becoming more social and are therefore highly susceptible to peer pressure. They're new tweenos. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, those particles watch Twilight. Yes, they do. And uh, he found our podcast while he was looking up Oak Island. Yeah, he did. 
And uh, and now he's a giant fan. So thank you, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy. I love that. We got and some more. Now, we'll, now, now we're now we're fans of you. <laughs> we'll, uh, we stumbled across you looking uh, through our email, <laughs> and now we're hooked. We'll we'll be hearing uh, back from Jeremy, I, I believe. Good. Soon. Soon and very soon. Flora, what do you got right now? Tell me what you got right now. I have no right now. Now it's too late. In two seconds. Three, two, one. See, I even gave you an extra second. Jesus, Flora. I've got a call out from the master of zombies himself. What? Zombie master. Whoa. Hi, I'm zombie master. When I'm not mastering zombies, I'm thinking about how I can better manage zombies. (laughs) Buy my water filters. (laughs) At the Pensacola Regency Hyatt, I will be having a three-day symposium on management techniques for armies of the undead. Once again, I am a zombie (laughs) master. I went to grad school for zombie... (laughs) Man, I'm done. I've got my black belt. In, so. <laughs> uh, all right. So he listened to our, our bullstone number two with the, the Fairpoint guys. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's going to have to dispute the want of aliens that I believe you said. Oh, yeah. You wanted them to be Cylons. You remember that? when Skin like, jobs. I want skin jobs. Yeah, skin job Cylons. Cylons, any form, are a human creation and therefore not alien oh thank god it's a bullstone watch me just whistle by i'm just looking at the penalty box flipping it off eating toast <laughs> so but if no i think the question was if i could pick which aliens right i would want i would want skin jobs but his point is that they're not actually aliens but they are in my in my scenario hmm hmm, hmm. so like hmm. I, so if it said uh aliens i'd say okay well what about hyper intelligent rabbits would that be an acceptable answer? Do they come from another planet? Yes. Then that's fine. Same thing as skin job aliens. Skin job aliens don't come from another planet. They they came from rabbits. Cylons come on from Earth. Earth. But then you said, oh, but do they come from another planet? Yes, they do. Same thing with skin rabbits job aliens. Rabbits come from Earth. Super intelligent rabbits come from the Beetlejuice system or something. Yeah, robots come from Earth. Skin job robots come from the Beetlejuice universe. They c- someone created skin job robots. You don't know that. You do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. You'd be amazed what I don't know. <laughs> wow. How I, did this is becoming with, quite the debate? I'm with the master of zombies on this um, one. I disagree Bro, with so the master of zombies. Skin job Cylons. Yeah. Human human creation ultimately. Uh, want- and it's not like super intelligent uh, rabbits came from Earth, went to another planet, got super intelligent, then came back. It's an example of the kind of alien I would like to see. Hot chicks. I see. You should have picked Pleiadians like I did. (laughs) Fair enough, actually. (laughs) Maybe you just got to it a little bit faster. (laughs) What do you have? Thank you, Zombie Master. Thanks, Zombie Master. Laura, we got uh, got an email here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's weird. I'm trying to figure out what it's like. It's it's like rain on your wedding day or maybe... uh, I don't know. You take a look. What do you think this is like? Oh, uh, well, it's kind of like um, 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, hmm. I mean, isn't, isn't it ironicus? <laughs> don't, don't you, you think? think? <laughs> 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 We're the worst. Uh, ironicus hits us with the following. Uh, love the Dracula dossier episode. Uh, thank you. And thank Ken Height. Uh-huh. I think they did pretty well with their Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, and uh, points us in the direction of the one-shot RPG episodes that Ken mentioned, um, because he's great at running a game, takes uh, chances to show uh, takes a chance to show off some of the adventures that the dossier can lead to, 
And because Ironicus is also one of the players. Nice. <laughs> oh, so you you know you know what it's like to sit in a room with, <laughs> with the with the wonderkind that is Ken Height. Wow, it's tough. It's difficult. It's very daunting. So well played, Ironicus. Um, also, uh, did you know that one of Dracula's thralls was driven to madness by his vampiric control and could only eat food on sticks? Hmm. His name was H. M. Renfair. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't stop staring at bodices yeah another uh, possible stretch goal is the mystery of dracula's frat bro cousin who would stick people on pikes for not properly popping their collars <laughs> chad the impaler <laughs> uh, clearly this is a friend of ken heights these are well done and of course uh uh, this show could be part of the dossier as well. It seems Stoker's original notes were altered to hide uh, Mina Harker's actual maiden name, Mina Blurry. Perhaps her family legacy was to amass a font of fringe knowledge players could f- uh, that players characters could find useful. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Mina Blurry. So thank you very much, Ironicus. Wow, thanks. And uh, you, re- everyone, should uh, listen to that one shot RPG. I th- I'm going to check, check it, out. it out. Yeah, because I'd like to hear how that plays out. You might even want to give it more than one shot. Well, well. All right, bring us home, All Flora. Right, got take one this more t- for you. Take this tugboat into port. Um, toot, toot. <laughs> I'll I'll do the job the tugboat's meant to do. <laughs> <laughs> we heard from World Wide West. What? Hi, Wes. World Wide West. <laughs> <laughs> Wes, uh, keeping with the the old Dracula dossier episode, yeah. in honor of gaming superstar Kenneth Height, he has a he has an RPG pun. There's a man who dresses in sharp suits that has bright colors. Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop! I have I have to call my broker. Too late, too oh. late. Market's closed, bruh. They're also known to be kleptomaniacs and fearless short humanoids. It's the Kinderman. Oh, and that, my friends, is a Dragonlance reference. He is pulling. He is pulling the stink from the swamp. <laughs> wow, Kinder. I don't know. Yeah, well done, like Dragonlance. Bright clothing, bright sharp suits, kleptomaniacs, short humanoids. I like it. <laughs> Very well done. Uh, and he says he feels like um, we are the Velma and Daphne to Kenneth Height's Fred. And uh, Stecco, I'm Velma. Oh, wait. Which one's Velma? Velma's the one in the glasses. That's okay, because Daphne's pretty hot, but everybody knows uh, that that Velma's secretly the hot one. <laughs> well, Velma's got the socks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Daphne Daphne's like the, the, the bro bait, but everybody knows that mm. Velma's the freak. I, I think you're right. Uh, and he says, see, Fred wants Daphne because of the crazy hotness, but she'll need Velma to get stuff done. Oh. And also, his metaphor has gone all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we were we were helping with that, too. We were, we're certainly doing our piece on that. Oh, uh, all right. Thank you, Wes. Thanks, Worldwide Wes. And uh, thanks, everybody who has written in. We yes. will get to uh, the ones we haven't gotten to yet in a nice little supplemental with some stories. Again, if you want to send send us yeah. one in, send us a scurry story of your own. Yeah, I want to scare the crap out of myself for Christmas. 
Also, while you're at it, why not go over to iTunes, uh, give us a rating, yeah. give us a review. Give us the reviews that we would like. Reviews from you, the actual listeners of yeah. this podcast. Make it a Christmas present to us. Yay! Five stars and a great review. <laughs> or Five golden stars. Stumble upon and, and also Twitter. Blurry photos underscore something. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just, just just muddied it up. <laughs> I don't think there's any any anything you, there. You have to create that now. Yeah. Uh blurry underscore photos is uh Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can go and like us. We're yep. We are scarily close to four Hildos. On, oh man, uh, we Facebook. might already be there by the time I hear this because we were at like two. We had two to go. Wow, three ninety eight. Wow. And uh, yeah, so we're we're almost there. We've got the swell folks at Audible are yep. making your Christmas easy yep. for yourself when you're traveling uh, yeah. this this holiday season. Get yourself a free book at blur, on us. Uh, it's audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. I said haltingly, <laughs> waking sure that Flora said, yes, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Get a free trial for get a free book for yourself. Get a trial. You don't like it, you cancel. It's as simple sure, as that. Sure. If Either you, way, we if you can sign up, you can, can you can undo it. It's the right. same ritual, but in reverse. And when you go there and when you sign up, it's not gonna say blurry photos all over the place. No. It's actually not gonna say anything about blurry photos. Uh, it just looks like you're signing up to a free trial membership, and that's that's okay. That's how it works. Yep, and then everything's going according to plan if that's what you're seeing. Yeah, so, and, and then we we find out and, and we get really happy. Yep. Uh, so that's a way you can treat yourself. You can uh, also punch our donate button with yep. a candy cane. That's um, a monetary candy cane. That's right. Uh, that That's a good way to, to have a... Fun yeah. Christmas yep. happen for We're Blurry Photos. We've got uh, we got some plans for them them funds. Yeah, everything's in the works. We're we're very close. Yeah, sorry. I I know we've been saying this forever, but keep in mind we're like two dudes with day jobs, so we're <laughs> we're we really are doing this. It just uh, you know takes a village. Yeah. We've got two people. <laughs> uh, we're, we're almost there. So you guys are the very very best. Oh, and uh, make sure to go over to. Uh, Fairpoint podcast. Listen, because yes. we we just did uh, an interview with them. We we talk about Bat Boy. Yes, and uh, his many many extracurricular activities. Yeah. That kid's got m- more jobs than Homer Simpson. Yeah, and more skill than Houdini. I yeah. think so. Uh, listen to that. Uh, go over to an hour with your ex and listen to uh, Mel and Mark. We we visited them, talked about all things a Christmas Carol, the mm-hmm. Charles Dickens classic. And we've mentioned them in the past, and we shall continue to mention them in their future because not only is their podcast terrific and fun to listen to, they're also our friends. So right. it's a win-win. They can be your friends, too. They'll come to your house. Mel is one of the most accomplished bakers in the city of Chicago. So make friends with her. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, uh, I haven't seen it, but I'd be willing to bet my left arm that Mark Coulomb can make a cocktail that will make you weep. <laughs> he just strikes me as the kind of guy who really knows how to make a well-crafted cocktail. I can see that. And uh, spoiler alert, oh. you're going to get a bullstone with them soon. What? Oh. A squid pro row, Clarice? That's that's the one. <laughs> you know, from when they were the squid went to Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, lots of fun things, uh, bullstones and adventures and other podcasts and and uh, number one hundred, oh. number one Hildo coming up. Uh, That's right, the Centurion. We 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 really do want to want to make it good. So so we're gonna 
take as much time as we need, unfortunately. Yeah. We gotta we gotta put that one in the oven to make sure that it's fully cooked. We're gonna stick a toothpick in it, make sure it comes out clean. Yeah. So um be looking for that. Um we're we're hoping to get it out before Christmas. There's a chance we'll get it out just a little bit after Christmas. Happy New Year's hundredth so, uh, episode. So yeah, we'll we're we're still working on it. We'll get there. Yep. So anyways, for this episode of Blurry Photos. I have been Sir David Ear. And I have been David Ambrosius Florialanus. <laughs> Anus. You did it to yourself. You, gotta, you did it to yourself. You, you did it. Shut up. Florialanus. <laughs> Son of a bitch. They don't smell like flowers to me. Bye. Bye. I'm turning you in for the reward, Sasquatch. If you take the time to listen to him, Alex Jones makes a lot of sense. (laughs) I'm glad I bought his water filter. I'm the best Pennsylvania has to offer. Sasquatch, I'm dating your sister. (laughs) I like the Star Wars prequels. I will have my kids vaccinated. If he liked it, then he should have put a ring on it. <laughs> Springfield Jack touched my and balls. <laughs> Springfield Jack, stop squeezing my squonk titty. <laughs> I can do this. I can do this. Springfield Jack, stop squeezing my squawk tits. Oh, what's all this, then, eh? That's a fine set of little man titties you got there. You gonna try to run? Excuse me? What? <laughs> what's that? Who said oh, what? You heard me right, Jackie boy. The Adventures <laughs> of Jeff and Springfield Jack. We just hit a Pennsylvania lottery. <laughs> it's raining tits, hallelujah. Looks like we'll be taking a trip to Titsburg. Yins are going to Pittsburgh. Hey, Jack, couple of pickets to Pittsburgh, my buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Pickets to (laughs) Pittsburgh. Pickets to Pittsburgh. We're doing this for no one but us right now.